Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns, and thank you so much for taking time from your day uh, just to be with us. You know, experience comes with age, and that drives increased wisdom and learning. Well, today we're going to wrap up our summer growing season series with someone who pleads with us in the Old Testament. Stay tuned, and we'll get into it. Someone once went into a retirement home and asked the residents that were there if they could give themselves some advice, their younger selves advice, what would it be? So some of the answers ranged, but one was love your age all the time. Growing old is denied to many. Another person said, you know, it's important to have good family life. Life goes up and down, but you have to make the best of it. Another advice to their younger selves was develop relationships. They will last you a lifetime of friendships. Give your trips together and adventures you never dreamed of. Most importantly, they will offer love and support when you need it. Another one was don't worry so much. Life has a way of working itself. And another one, still always be ready to help other people regardless of their race, nationality, or status. There was lots of varying degrees and types of advices that the older people were giving their younger selves. But I came across a story that was actually one of my favorite, uh, and I have to admit that I, I did laugh out loud. And I wish I could give a credit to the person who wrote this, who said this, or this happened to, but I don't know it is. So if you happen to uh, be this person and you wrote this, please let me know because it is a great, great story. So the story goes, I know I shouldn't have done this, but I am an 83 years old, and I was in the McDonald's drive through this morning, and a young lady behind me leaned on her horn and started mouthing something because I was taking too long to place my order. So when I got to the first window, I paid for her order along with my own. The cashier must have told her what I had done because as we moved up, she leaned out her window and waved to me and mouthed, thank you, obviously embarrassed that I had repaid her rudeness with kindness. When I got to the second window, I showed them both receipts and took her food too. Now she has to go back to the end of the queue and start all over again. Don't blow your horn at old people. They have been around a long, long time. I laughed out loud when I first read that some time ago, and, uh, but it does go to the point of with time, with experience, comes wisdom and learning. But there's always stories behind the lessons. There's always a reason that an older person would give specific advice about something. It is imperative for us today that we don't gloss over or forget the stories of the lessons, the stories of the biblical people that we have been looking at during this summer growing season. Today we have another Old Testament person to hopefully walk in his shoes a bit and hear his plea for us. The title of the lesson today is Asaph's Plea. Asaph's Plea. Have you ever heard of Asaph from the Old Testament? He's not one of your more popular people, like Abraham or Moses or Joseph, some of the folks that maybe are more familiar. But Asaph was a bit of a prominent player in the Old Testament that you may not have heard of. In 1 Chronicles 15, we first meet Asaph. It said that David told the leaders of the Levites to appoint their fellow Levites as musicians to make a joyful sound with musical instruments. 
lyres, harps, and cymbals. Though the Levites appointed Heman, son of Joel, from his relatives, Asaph, son of Berechiah. And it goes on from there. And then farther down in verse 19, it says the musicians, Heman, Asaph, and Ethan, were to sound the bronze cymbals. And then farther in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, in a time when David was working to, to build the city of Jerusalem, and they were setting things in order. In verse 1, it says they brought the ark of God and set it inside the tent that David had pitched for it. They presented burnt offerings and fellowship offerings before God. After David had finished sacrificing the burnt offerings and the fellowship offerings, he blessed the people in the name of the Lord. Then he gave a loaf of bread, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each Israelite man and woman. He appointed some of the Levites to minister before the ark of the Lord to extol, thank, and praise the Lord, the God of Israel. Asaph was the chief, and next to him in rank were Zechariah, then Jeziel, and then a few others that were there. In verse 7, it said, That day David first appointed Asaph and his associates to give praise to the Lord. Asaph served in the court of David. He was a musician. He was a Levite. He also wrote 12 psalms. And we're going to look at one of those today in Psalm chapter 78. Asaph is going to give us some advice today through his experiences, the things that he has seen, the things that that, uh, he wants us uh, to hear based on what he had seen and heard. So in Psalm chapter 78, we're actually going to look at the story first before the advice comes. We're going to look at the story that led to the advice or to the plea that he gives us. So starting in verse 9 of Psalm chapter 78, It says, the men of Ephraim, though armed with bows, turned back on the day of battle. They did not keep God's covenant and refused to live by his law. They forgot what he had done, the wonders he had shown them. He did miracles in the sight of their ancestors, in the land of Egypt, in the region of Zoan. He divided the sea and led them through. He made the water stand up like a wall. He guided them with a cloud by day and with light from fire all night. He split the rocks in the wilderness and gave them water as abundant as the seas. He brought the streams out of a rocky crag and made water flow down like rivers. But they continued to sin against him, rebelling in the wilderness against the Most High. They willfully put God to the test by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God. They said, Can God really spread a table in the wilderness? True, he struck the rock. And water gushed out. Streams flowed abundantly. But can he also give us bread? Can he supply meat for his people? When the Lord heard them, he was furious. His fire broke out against Jacob, and his wrath rose against Israel. For they did not believe in God or trust in his deliverance. Yet he gave a command to the skies above and opened the doors of heaven. He rained down manna for the people to eat. He gave them grain from heaven. Human beings ate the bread of angels. He sent them all the food they could eat. He let loose east wind from the heavens, and by his power made the south wind blow. He rained meat down on them like dust, birds like sand on the seashore. He made them come down inside their camp, all around their tents. They ate till they were gorged. He had given them what they craved. But before they turned from what they craved, even while the food was still in their mouths, 
God's anger rose against them. He put to death the sturdiest among them, cutting down the young men of Israel. In spite of all this, they kept on sinning. In spite of his wonders, they did not believe. And so he ended their days in futility and their years in terror. Whenever God slew them, they would seek him. They eagerly turned to him again. They remembered that God was their rock that God Most High was their Redeemer. But then they would flatter him with their mouths, lying to him with their tongues. Their hearts were not loyal to him. They were not faithful to his covenant. Yet he was merciful. He forgave their iniquities and did not destroy them. Time after time he restrained his anger. He did not stir up his full wrath. He remembered that they were but flesh, a passing breeze that does not return. Psalm chapter 78 continues after that with much of the same. Then the stories of how the uh, Israelites had turned against God and that God would continue to work with them. As he starts out uh, of the stories that he had heard and maybe had witnessed, Asaph starts out talking about the men of Ephraim. These people were, were trained. They were ready. They were in position, weapons in hand, ready to fight according to God's will. But then they turned back, being disobedient to God. Asaph lists the ways that God was fully devoted. I mean, God was not part-time here to the Israelites. He was not a part-time God. You know, he led by cloud. He led by fire. He protected them. He led them and he fed them. But the Israelites did not appreciate what God was doing and they would forget all about it. Asaph writes about God going the extra mile uh, for the Israelites. Despite their complaints, despite their arrogance, God would continue to give to them. And he also notes God's self-control and his mercy that he offers. He talks about the grace that the Israelites received that they didn't deserve and the mercy they received in lieu of what they did deserve. These were the stories that in part led to his plea for the people then and that same plea holds true for us today. Experience had taught Asaph and Asaph has some advice for us today. So staying in Psalm chapter 78, let's read that advice starting in verse 1. He says, My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and his wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, uh, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children so that the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God, whose spirits were not faithful to him. My goodness, Asaph gives us a plea. I mean, it is a, it is a call, a desperate call, a warning. Call it what you like, but he is absolutely trying to get uh, the attention of the people then as he does to us today. He emphasizes how important it is to, to not hide the great and glorious things that, that God has done. When I think about my life, and maybe you think about your life, God has done some amazing things. 
when considering the Old Testament stories that Asaph refers to here. He is emphasizing how important it is not to hide the great and glorious things that God has done. He says to tell the next generations, not not just our own children, but to tell the next generation. It's a plea to take this on in hopes that further generations won't take a pass on God. And he finishes what I read of don't be like the Israelites, stubborn, rebellious, and disloyal. It's important when we think about these Old Testament stories, or the New Testament for that matter, that not that we, we don't just know the facts. We just don't know when this happened, or that happened, or who said this, or this person went there, or went here. While those are important to know, it's actually to know in our hearts and what they mean, what they mean for our lives today. Passing on facts is actually not that exciting. But when we pass on the meaning behind the stories, when we pass on the heart behind the stories, that's when lives can change. That's what calls the attention of the younger generations. To be able to tell them, we have to not just know the facts, but we have to know in our hearts why that story is there. We need to know what happened in that story. The details so that we can pass on accurately the great glorious things that God has done. You know, we've seen God's goodness in the biblical stories that we have done over our summer growing season series. You know, and the Bible tends to help us see things in that way, right? When we see God's goodness in these biblical stories, you know, that is very common uh, throughout uh, God's Word. But these people we discussed in past podcasts, through those people's lives, we've seen God's goodness. We've seen a sovereignty in the face of sorrow. We've seen his goodness and his sovereignty in the face of fear, in the face of shame. We've seen it in the face of loneliness and in, quite frankly, folly. Things we face every day, every week. These same things, sorrow, fear, shame, loneliness, folly. Maybe you are feeling some of those as you listen. So let's not forget the fact that God has done some amazing things despite sorrow, fear, shame, and some of these things that we, in fact, face all the time. You know, we have some friends that gave us a sunflower plant that we planted out in front of the house. And when they uh, gave it to us, it was just maybe uh, maybe six or eight inches tall. And we planted it in a, in a good spot where the sun would, would hit it, it would get some rain, and, uh, and it started to grow. And it was a special plant because it was a gift from a friend. And so we planted it and watered it and cared for it and fertilized it and it started to grow. And it was maybe, uh, maybe 18, maybe two feet, 18 inches to two feet uh, tall. And it was starting to grow well. The leaves were blooming and it looked like it was going to be a great, great plant. But then one morning I came out to look at the plant and a deer had come and eaten the whole top of the plant. And all that was left was just a couple of leaves and a stalk that had been eaten from the top. I thought the plant was probably as good as dead. But then I kept watering it. The sun would still hit it every day. It would get rained on and it got fertilized and cared for. And we even put a stick next to it and tied the the sunflower to it so that it could grow straight. Next thing I know, I started to see another stalk coming out 
from a different part of the plant of where it had been chewed off from the deer. And it started to grow. And I thought, oh my goodness, this thing is going to, to live after all. I thought it was good as dead. I mean, it was chewed from the top. It was kind of torn apart and just a couple of leaves were left. But then all of a sudden, not just one stalk, but there was actually another growth. And so it has grown to, right now, it is about five or six feet tall. The sunflower is just about to bloom. And it has not just one flower on it, it now has two. And what a great story of where God took this plant that was good as dead. It was chewed off from the top. A plant that would normally give you one nice flower. Well, in fact, despite it being chewed off the top, it's now going to give us two beautiful flowers. So let's not forget that God can do some amazing things, that he is good, that he is sovereign, even in the face of sometimes hard things. Let's not forget that. In fact, let's dwell deeply so that we have a deep understanding of the greatness of God so that we can go and tell the other generations. We called it the summer growing season. You know, a time that we could just really think about and dwell on deliberately growing spiritually. In the first lesson we started with about how God had designed us to grow. He designed plants to grow, he designed people to grow, and he designed us to grow in faith and grow spiritually. That that is part of God's plan. And the first person we talked about was Jacob. And how Jacob you know, created a growth opportunity. And to do that, he needed to be alone with God. He needed to struggle. And he needed to acknowledge who he was. All great lessons for us. That we need to have our time with God. And sometimes, as much as we don't want it, we do need to struggle. But acknowledge who we are in the sense of God's special chosen people. God loves you, and he wants the best for you, and that is who you are, and I think it's important to acknowledge that. We then talked about Jochebed. Jochebed, who was the mother of Moses, who was pregnant with Moses during a time when Pharaoh was, had put into place a, a rule to kill all the babies that were boys. So while she was pregnant, imagine the, the sleepless nights that she may have had. But she was forever known for her faith, written up in the book of Hebrews for her faith in the face of difficulty. She saw value in God's sovereignty and in God's people. Jochebed was an incredible mother of Moses who loved her God. And of course, then after that, we saw how Moses had grown, a Hebrew growing up in the palace of Pharaoh, finding himself in a crisis over a bad decision that he had made. But he bounced back because of God's graciousness, and he moved forward in faith. And then it was Joshua, from whom God had prepared uh, through the faith of others. In a battle where it was totally determined to win or lose that battle based on Moses' arms being held up high or his arms falling down. But God had worked in Joshua's life through this moment and other moments to prepare him. And then he set him into place to lead the Israelites into the promised land. And then out of his obedience to God, 
He took the Israelites into the promised land where they met up uh, against the city of Jericho. And at God's direction, they circled around Jericho until God had given it to them. And then there was Ruth, one of only two women that have a book in the Bible named after him. She was a Moabite woman who ended up as a direct ancestor of Jesus. Through her, we saw that you can always count on God's plans, that they are bigger than our headwinds, in fact, bigger than our life. And how God had orchestrated her life through a series of events. What an incredible story of Ruth and her faith. And of course, we also talked about Caleb. He was a wholehearted follower of God when those around him were not. For 45 years, as a result of other people's folly, Caleb waited on God to deliver the promised land, and he never wavered in his faith the least bit. He was wholehearted, others were not, the people were wandering around at God's direction because of the people that were not faithful to God. And finally, we talk about Asaph today. Asaph tells us to hear their stories, not just the facts, but to see and understand the lessons that they learned and tell them to the generation so that we do not lose hope, so that our faith doesn't fade, and so that we ourselves can continue to grow in faith and knowledge of God. You know, in my sermon series, I put faces with these names because these were people that did live and breathe, people that ate together with other people, and people that loved their God. And hopefully through the lessons I've offered, you can grow more intimately with them, and they can help us understand God more intimately and help us to grow spiritually. And if you're interested in these lessons, I want to invite you to contact us through the Blue Ridge Church of Christ org website because these are just amazing people that have so much to offer us but i don't want us to think that we're done growing no remember that we are designed to grow and so coming up in our next series we're going to look at a more detailed uh, view of god because i think that's something that that we struggle with sometimes that we minimize who god is but god is an incredibly large god so we're going to look at a more detailed view of him and also in turn look at a more detailed view of us. Super looking forward to that. I hope the summer growing season has helped you. I hope that was helpful. And if you liked it and would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area and would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.